0: Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do, serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. So the accountability path is the notice, the nudge, the conversation, the carefrontation, and the line. The reason the accountability path is structured the way it is, is precisely to avoid shame triggers and authority projections. If you don't get that, then you won't understand really how to use it. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clear and open.com. If you want to build a strong foundation of accountability, you can't wait until someone screws up. To hold them accountable, you'll find the accountability path much easier to navigate if it's forged through deep reflections of goodness, creating a context where accountability is viewed as more positive than negative. The best part is that, unlike some of the aspects of leading with accountability that we've discussed in this series, it isn't difficult to hold up a mirror and show someone a reflection of the goodness of their being. So today, we're going to talk about how leaders can hold up the mirror for the people that they manage in a positive way before they take a step on the accountability path that is likely to not feel so positive. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd really love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Keep doing the reflecting being. Keep holding up that mirror for people. Because of course, in one way, you know, if you look at it as holding up the mirror to, to people's essences, you can look at accountability as being a holding up the mirror in general. You can hold up a mirror and show someone something good. And you can hold up a mirror and show them something bad. Right? When we think of holding someone accountable, we generally think of the holding up the mirror and showing something not good about what they're doing rather than good. But here's the thing. If that's the only kind of accountability that you do, in other words, if you only reflect to them and give them really focused feedback when they screw up, well, how well does that work? You see? When you build a relationship from the very, 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 very start, upon regular deep reflections of their goodness when that's the context that's the background that's the milieu they're in and you say five good things about them for every one bad thing then you create a context that changes the way accountability works entirely see that Because who who right now, imagine you know the almost seven billion people on the planet, which one of them are thinking, "Boy, I wish this authority figure in my life would stop talking about all the good things about me." It's really becoming tiresome. <laughs> I mean, I'm busy. I've got things to do. I can't just stop and have my essence complimented, you know, all day like this. This is really getting in the way. Right. That's not what people are thinking. I mean, really, it's quite stunning to think probably out of the 7 billion people in the world, not one, I would wager, is thinking that. Right? So give it to them. See if you can get them to that place where they're like... I mean, it's not hard to reflect to someone the goodness of their being so much that they start to get kind of embarrassed. Maybe some of you have already experienced that. But that's a good embarrassment. Because right? it means it's meeting up with some of the resistance that they have to their own goodness. And you're going to push on that. That's great. Because yeah, if someone has a hard time taking in your compliments, well, then, then that can become a whole other discussion. Oh, where else in your life is it difficult for you to see your goodness? I would be very curious about that. Right? That can create a whole other conversation. So if this is the context for accountability, then everything changes. And so I want to talk about the accountability path, which many of you are familiar with, but I'm going to review it a little bit regardless. In this context, in the context of reflecting the goodness and in the context of shame. So I don't think I wrote it this way, but when I rewrite it, I'll be talking a lot about this. The the reason the accountability path is structured the way it is, is precisely to avoid shame triggers and authority projections. That's the structure of it. If you don't get that, then you, and therefore don't get the context of what the accountability path is about, then you won't understand really how to use it. Um, it's sort of like you'll say the right words, but the tone won't be right. And of course, we all know we listen to tones more than the words. So the accountability path is the notice, the nudge, the conversation, the carefrontation, and the line. Five steps. And the notice is just a very casual, non-authoritative noticing of, hey, I noticed you were a few minutes late this morning. Everything okay? That's a notice. It's not a sit-down conversation. You're asserting no accountability. And it's like you say it like you notice, oh, look, there's a rainbow over there. Oh, look, that bird is on that tree. Oh, look, you're a few minutes late this morning. It's like that. And you're just sort of throwing a little pebble over there and just to see what happens. What you're hoping will happen is they notice that you notice and assert authority all by themselves. And go, Oh, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Here's what happened. Here's what I'm doing to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm sorry you had to notice that and bring it up to me. I'm on it. That would be ideal. Anything less than that causes you to raise an eyebrow. I can only do one. Uh, causes you to raise an eyebrow and keep an eye out, like because you're gonna be like, huh? Like if they say, oh yeah, there was a lot of traffic, right? You, you nod your head. Okay, I'm gonna give this person the freedom of uh, self-authority and not come down on them that moment. I'm just gonna see if this is a pattern. And what else happens? Maybe it just was traffic. But if they show up late again the next day, well, then you have choices. You could do another notice. Hey, I noticed you were a little late today. And then see if they connect the dots. right? Because you'd want them to go, Huh, I remember this conversation from yesterday. And it happened again. And my boss just noticed that I was late two days in a row. That might be an issue. In other words, you want to give them the ability to connect those dots. supporting their self authority their agency as a mature human being that you really wanna hope is there and giving them the opportunity you're giving them data and letting them connect the dots and by not coming down on them in any kind of authority way you're keeping as much as is possible the authority projections because it's like the example i always use is um you know a good cop knows they don't have to yell because they've got a gun in their holster, right? Good cops are very soft spoken, very calm because they're not, well, most of them are not stupid and they know when you pull them over, you're scared, right? They're the authority. They can do bad things to you. They have a gun. And it's the ones who don't get that are the ones who act out and misuse their authority. So get that you're carrying a gun, right? You have the power to fire them on the spot. And they probably haven't forgotten that. So let that be between them and them. There's no need to assert your authority early on. Now that's easy to forget because you don't realize how afraid they are of you. And if you haven't worked for someone else for a really long time, then you've really forgotten what it's like for them. They're afraid. You want to see how afraid? Walk up to someone and say, Can I talk to you in my office for a second? And then see what they do with that. Watch how they walk. Look at their look on their face. And then you will go, oh yeah, I remember what that was like. (laughs) Right? You just put them in like the sixth grade principal's office, right? That's what happened there. (laughs) Okay. So they're afraid. No need to assert the authority. You're wearing the uniform, whether you're wearing a uniform or not, right? You've got the gun at your side. Okay, so the next phase is the nudge. Now, the nudge is what you do when you feel like the noticing is not working. They're not connecting the dots. That's up to you. You got to sort of feel out when you do that. But if you see, hmm, you're not really connecting the dots, obviously it needs to be something a little bit more. And that could sound just like, you know, maybe the third day they're late in a row or the third day in a week or something. You, you might say, um, hey, I noticed you've been late three times this week. And then just see what they say, leave an uncomfortable silence. Uncomfortable silence is very powerful here because it leaves them alone with the discomfort and you're not asserting authority in a young way, in a, in a one way, you're asserting it in a zero way, right? You're asserting authority by making them sit in the discomfort. But you didn't say anything per se to make them uncomfortable. Like, it seems like you've got a problem with tardiness, right? That would be an asserting of authority. Instead, you're just letting the facts speak for themselves. I noticed you were late three times in the week. I'm a little concerned. Uh, That would be past nudge, saying you're concerned. I mean, it sort of depends, but I would say a nudge would be more like, hey, I noticed you've been late three times in the last week. What do you notice about that? That would be a little bit more of a nudge. It's sort of, it has a little bit more of an oomph behind it, like you're not connecting the dots, so I'm going to sort of ask you to. What do you notice about that? Or, what do you think the impact of that is on other people, customers, whatever it is? What's your thinking around that? Just a simple question that lets them think. And you're not gonna engage with them there. This could happen in the hallway, you know, at a job site, on the floor, whatever. This is not a sit-down conversation yet. So now at this point, you're you're really hoping because the the Notice and the nudge are really zero assertions of authority. So you're really hoping that they connect the dots and go, wow, you're right. You know, I thought this was just the traffic thing, but I realize I'm not getting up early enough and here's what I'm gonna do about it. You're really wanting them to own it in that moment. But if they don't, and you may do a number of nudges, depends on the urgency of it or whatever. Then the third step is the conversation. And the conversation has a structure. I won't go into it. It's, there's an outline of it in the accountability path, course. And uh, that's where you clearly identify the problem and you know, explore underlying conditions and create a plan and all of that. You get their agreement to actually work on it. Now, that is an assertion of authority because you're, you're, you're coming from an authority place and saying, this is a problem. You want their agreement that, that it's a problem. Uh, but you're coming from a very gentle... This is a minimal assertion of authority, but you're identifying it, framing it as a problem. You've dropped hints, And you're not going to do that anymore. Now it's become a sort of business issue that we're tackling as a project. That's what happens in in the conversation. But you want to keep the tone of the conversation very light. And what I didn't say in the first two steps, first two steps, but it's true here, you want to come from a place of, I'm on your side. I'm here to help you. Right? Notice you relate. Everything okay? I care about you. So you're you're thinking about their self-interest ahead of the businesses. And this is where crazy ideas like uh, there's no I and T-E-A-M really screw us up. Because unconsciously, you know, see tragic history of work from the last course, which was... What was it called? <laughs> Open to Excellence. Was that the last one? No, that was the one before that. I need a map on my wall or something. See tragic history of work where I talked about, you know the thousands of years of oppression and, uh, oh, how to manage and how to manage and be managed. You know, we have this unconscious thing that like the person who works for you is somehow supposed to sacrifice themselves for you and do your bidding like an emperor if during the 40 hours a week they work for you and set their self-interest at the door. Well, as discussed, that doesn't go over so well, OK. So instead, come from supporting them. Hey, I'm here to help. Is everything okay? Maybe you know they're in the middle of the beginning of a divorce or something. You know, in which case, you know, coming down on them about their tardiness, they're going to be like, Oh, thanks, boss. That's the least of my problems right now. Be curious. Not know what's going on with them and care. And that can go all the way up in, into the conversation as well. You want to be coming from a caring, I'm on your side. I want your needs to be met. And the businesses needs to be met. Let's find the win-win here. Because there's always going to be a win-win. You know, if someone's chronically late, then that's affecting their life in a negative way. They may not realize it, but it probably is. Okay? So you're you're very much a coach in step three, not a boss. You get a warning from the cop in step three, right? They're saying, well, I could have really come down on you hard. I'm writing a piece of paper. So it's on your record, but you're not going to pay anything. Have a nice day, right? And then what's the result? When the cop gives you a warning, you love the cop, right? Oh, thank you so much, officer. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Want to have it. And, and that's what happens when, when you identify a real problem with an employee and connect the dots for them they're going to get more scared. Like, wow, this person's got a reason to be really kind of upset with me. And look, they're not upset. And their gun's still in their holster and they're talking really calmly. And I'm not even getting fined. Cool. I win. right? They're left with the uplifted feeling and and they stop for every stop sign for perfectly for a month. (laughs) And then go back to their old ways, right? Okay. Maybe that's where the metaphor breaks down. But then again, of course, it doesn't break down because if you get pulled over again, right, for the same thing, and then the next cop—hopefully not the same cop—sees that you've been pulled over and been warned, you're not going to get another warning, right? Now you're going to get a carefrontation, right? So then you've spent all this time being very supportive and very kind, talking about this, you helping them strategize ways to fix it, exploring underlying causes, and all of this, of course, is in the context of how you see the essence of their being and how good they are as a person. And now they're still doing the behavior. Okay, well now step four is no more Mr. Nice Guy or Gal. And this is where you start to assert some of your authority. And this is where the cop writes the ticket. And you go, uh, it's the same structure as the conversation. This is the problem. We've talked about this before. It hasn't changed. Let's revisit the underlying possible causes, revisit the plans for changing and all that kind of stuff, re-get the agreement. But it has more of an intensity to it. And the the logic of that is this. Before you do that, in steps uh, one, two, and three, notice, nudge, and conversation, you're exhausting the potential impact of the nice guy or gal. You're doing everything you can to be the cop who is just the guy or gal in the uniform who's sweet and letting the uniform do the work and here to help and warns you about, hey, when sometimes people run stop signs, there are accidents. I wouldn't want that to happen to you, right? Have you ever had a cop say that when that happened to me last time I got pulled over? He said, hey, at this intersection, I ran a red light sort of by accident. Um, I sped through a yellow. And he said, there's been a few accidents here in the last month, so we're really watching carefully. I was like, wow, okay, thank you. That's cool. He didn't come from a, you better follow the rules or you're going to get fined place. He was coming from a, this is in your best interest. There are accidents here and I've seen them there. He was right. So, um, but if that keeps happening, the I'm helping you with your best interests thing goes away. Why? Well, because it's not working. It's not getting their attention. It's, it's no less true. It's just, okay, well, uh, we've been trying to get you to do this from your own self-interest because it's the right thing to do on a wave of care and concern uh, and that hasn't been getting your attention so now uh, consequences will and at that point the employee needs to know they're on a path to losing their job and that's what's going to happen if this continues and you're really still pull- this the care and the carefrontation you're really still pulling for them to make the change hey i'm here to help let's talk about this but I got to be honest with you, if this doesn't change, you and I may part ways. And I wouldn't want that. You're still coming from that caring place. But your authority is, uh, is not unasserted. It's there. Okay. And you may or may not decide to give them a timeline at that point. You may give them 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. That so You got to go by your own feel and whether that will be helpful there. Lastly, step five is the line. And the line is where you give up coaching. You say, I've been trying to help you here. This is step five. I've been trying to help you and it doesn't appear to be working. I'm not going to spend a lot more time on this. It's in your hands. You've got this much time to show me you can make this different. Let me know if you need help. Let me know if you have questions. There's almost never any reason to get angry. If you get angry or frustrated or express frustration, let's be clear, being angry, being frustrated, fine. Expressing those emotions with an employee, almost always not appropriate or let's even put a finer point not productive. And that's really the question. Because if you look at your responsibility as a manager, if you look at it from a service point of view, then... To, in integrity, express frustration or anger with an employee, you have to ask the question, will this help the result I want? There are cases where you might think it it does, and there are certain cases where it can. I find more often than not, it doesn't help. You may name, boy, you know what? I have to be honest with you. We've been working on this for a couple months, and I'm feeling really frustrated. That's naming frustrated without expressing it. That's different than saying, we've been working on this for months and I'm really frustrated with you. That's expressing frustration. That's more likely to trigger shame, you see? Because then they're in the principal's office in third grade or it's their mom and dad or whatever. So that kind of expression of conflicted emotion in rare cases can serve to wake someone up. Almost always, it's not worth the risk of triggering the shame. Either they know you're frustrated you know, and if it's unclear, you can just name it without being it. Yeah, name it without becoming it. So yeah, that's the line. Uh, that's and that's and then step six. I, do, I don't put in the path. That's termination. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the Clear and Open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then. Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com review and it will bring you to the right place.